0: this place is special get asked all the time where's your favorite place to take college game day and i say every time eugene oregon this is the best crowd honestly it's six in the morning here yeah it's dark it's raining they don't care these fans right here pound for pound are as good
1: as any college football fans in the country this program is staged to compete and to win championships oregon is going to This has become...
0: When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns it! Touchdown, Oregon! Been making deposits. Time to
1: cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon... man it feels great to be a duck welcome to the qb11 show presented by scoop duck with doug andrew and j-hop here are the guys with the latest scoop good evening this is doug scott joined by qb11 andrew
0: how are you andrew i'm doing good we've uh we've been through a little bit of a ringer here getting started but here we are (laughs) Yeah, you know, technical difficulties
1: on the uh, audio settings um, can be fun to play with sometimes.
0: It doesn't help when we think that your mic is broken, but I just have my computer muted so I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) We figured it out. So here we
1: are. Uh, We got uh, just the two of us today. I think we're going to cover recruiting a little bit. The the Oregon's last recruiting weekend, kind of what now that we're heading into we're in the dead period now, like what some what's some things to look forward to in the summer and July and, and August and beyond as far as you know, commitment dates and continuing re- recruiting there. I think we have some listener questions we're going to get to at the end of the show. And then I think QB, we're going to start our PAC 12 player draft. So we'll get into the details of that when we get to that segment of the show, but I think that will fill up our, our episode for us today.
0: Sounds good to me. Let's get going.
1: Yeah, so let's start with uh, obviously you and I and Hop talked about on the last episode the the you know kind of second big recruiting weekend if you will for Oregon here in June. You know, Oregon hosted a bunch of guys this past weekend, and I think even during the week leading up to the weekend, and we talked about a lot of those on the last episode. I know Hop and. The team over at ScoopDuck.com are covering that very well. So I think leading out of that, obviously Oregon didn't get any commitments. I don't think we were expecting any commitments um out of that group, at least not immediate commitments, right? It's not like, you know, we're stacking a bunch of guys to all announce in a row on a on a Monday following the visit weekend. Like, you know, these guys are the guys that we're we're looking for here, that Oregon's looking for here are guys that are gonna do their you know announcements on TV or they've got dates picked out or they're gonna be live on two four seven. Uh, you know they're kind of um, you know higher rated recruits that kind of go through that process a little differently, and and um, so they're you know we weren't expecting any any quacks uh, coming out of the weekend. I don't think at least not immediately. I think we'll, we'll see some coming, and I think you know maybe let's talk about some upcoming dates that were announced this week for some some guys that Oregon's really high on, and and that seem to be really high on Oregon. Where do you want to start?
0: Um, well, I think that the the big one, I think, in, is actually a guy that wasn't on campus this weekend, but it's going to be announcing his commitment on July 6th. Elijah Rushing, a uh, five-star edge player from down here in Tucson, um, ended up going out to Tennessee for an official visit this weekend, but all the reports seem to be indicating that Oregon's in a really good spot, whether it's Steve Wiltfong over at 247 or our own Justin Hopkins on Scoop Duck, uh, We'll see how things kind of mature here over the next week or so leading up to the commitment next week, but... I um, think that Oregon's probably in a pretty good spot there. Um, who else? We got Kamar Matuti. I'm not sure if it's Matuti or Matuti. I've heard it said both two different ways by people that you'd expect to know. So we're just going to roll with both, and then whichever one is right, we'll, we'll go with after the commitment. Um, but that's on J- July 10th. Uh, Dewan Riggs, a three star running back from the DC area that was on campus this weekend with Kamar Matuti, uh, was also gonna be committing I think July July third four star tackle um uh, Shaq McCroy is gonna be committing on July first on the 247 Sports Network. Um he was also on campus this weekend. Is that I think that's it for in terms of announced dates for right now other than uh Braden Platt announced he's gonna be his he's gonna have his commitment on September 4th his mother's birthday so a couple months out still on that one. Uh, but it seems to have made a decision or be close to making a decision. It sounds like it's an Oregon, Oklahoma battle. What else we got, Doug? Is there anything I'm missing there in terms of commitments that have been No, scheduled? I think you
1: mentioned rushing. It seems like the word is you know Tennessee it maybe came into this one a little too late and it looks like more of a, of a stay on the West coast thing and, and Arizona, the homeschool seems to be the, maybe the, in the running with Oregon, you know, for the, the final two there on rushing, um, you know, Riggs is an interesting one. It's a back we haven't heard a lot about throughout the cycle. I think, um, I think really Justin over at Scoop Duck has really been the only one kind of talking him up uh, as someone that the Ducks and and Coach Lachlan really like. Um, I think it's an, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they're, it looks like they might take two backs in this class, which kind of makes sense. They're five on the roster. I think it's pretty clear that there's as, at least two would be leaving after this next season, I think, or probably two will be leaving after this season. So, you know, replacing them with two kind of makes sense from that standpoint. I think early in the cycle and most of the cycle, I kind of thought it was a one back class, but when you start thinking about the way the roster is looking and what, what the attrition at that position probably will look like, I think two kind of makes more sense. And, and Oregon obviously is still right there in the running with Alabama and Georgia for, for Nate Frazier out of, uh, out of modern day. So, with the other modern day, I guess we can talk about the other modern day guys at, at the same time, right? So you got, you know, Aylin Breeland, who hasn't set a commitment date yet, but obviously is another one that visited this past weekend. And of course, you know, Brandon Baker, who didn't OV in June, but as we know, has been on campus a ton and and is a guy that, you know, even if he takes his commitment into the fall or even if he decides, you know, in the summer is a guy that could show up, you know, in an OV during the season for Oregon.
0: Yeah, I mean Brandon Baker's a guy that got a prediction from a national recruiting analyst to Oregon while he was on his Georgia official visit this last weekend. So I think it's one of those things where everyone's starting to figure out that Oregon's where he's gonna end up. And so it's just a matter of when um he decides to pull the trigger. And I think that's a huge like the fact of the matter is is that it seemed that I mean, when you when you have official visits to Texas and Ohio State and Georgia during the during the visit period um, after coming off several, I mean, some even like subsequent week visits uh, to Oregon uh, during June, or not June, during, is it May? Yeah, during May. Well, it's late. Um, during May, that Oregon was in a really, really good spot, and he just wanted to kind of go and check out his other options just to make sure, and it seems that coming off those visits, the uh, the glow of those visits hasn't really tainted his his perspective on Oregon. So, really excited to see kind of what happens with that recruitment. If a date gets set in the near future and where he ends up ultimately pulling the trigger, I think that like, as we move forward in this class, the, 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 the class will really be judged on kind of these top priority, top tier guys. Like we talked about on the, on the podcast last week. And so Elijah rushing is first to bat with, with a commitment date scheduled for the 6th of, of July. So next Thursday, um, as we record this on Wednesday, the 27th or sorry, Tuesday, the 27th, um, and we'll see what happens. And it sounds like there's still like some opportunity with Justin Williams, uh, despite his June 23rd official visit to Georgia. Um, other official visitors, the, the surprise one was Solomon Williams, and I don't know if it was a surprise as much. It just went unreported because he hasn't talked to media a whole lot. Um, three-star edge player from Tampa who had taken visits to Texas and, and Alabama the two weeks prior. So oh, Yeah, that kid's not going to be a three-star for long. No, I don't think so. His tape's really his tape is really impressive. And the fact of the matter is his is four official visits during this this June official visit period were Clemson, Alabama, Texas, and Oregon. It's a pretty good group of schools. So um doesn't sound like he's anywhere near making a decision, but it sounds like Oregon's in a good spot for him moving forward.
1: Yeah, and that's a case where having gotten in on him this late in the process, it's probably a good thing for Oregon that that he's not like jumping to make a, a quick decision right so that gives you well he had visited to, in may he visited that's right for yeah that's game. right
0: yeah or april uh, whatever
1: that was yeah late april late april uh, you know i think you know kind of shifting gears a little bit you know as as always this time of year and we kind of went through this a little bit last year right like oregon got a, got a lot of commits and you know, April, May, and then it, it was a little quiet in June and even in July last year and, and some fans start like freaking out. Oh my God, you know, or what's going to happen. All these guys are going to go somewhere else. And, you know, and you, at the end of the day, Oregon, you know, finished hard, got a top 10 class. And I just think, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, you have to look at, at this year. Actually, I think we're ahead of schedule this year, if you compare it to last year. And I went through and I did some, some quick, like, look, Looking at those classes a little bit, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the overall quality of what we have committed this year compared to last year, When you, especially when you're looking at guys who will fill out what you hope to be the middle and bottom of your class compared to the middle and bottom of your class last year. But really, even at the top of the class, you know, out of the, the six highest rated commits in Oregon's 2023 class, only one of them was committed and that was at this time last year. And that was, of course, um, you know, five star receiver Jury on Dickey who committed in May of last year. Out of the other five, like three of them, I think three of them committed in December. So, you know, first signing day, and one of them committed in the second signing day. And I think the other one was later in the fall. So, like, you know, it's not panic time by any stretch. These guys are going to stretch out their recruitments, especially when you're talking about guys like Baker and Breland and and you know rushing obviously has a date now but some of the some of the other big time commits Oregon is in on is like we're right where we need to be we're we're in the thick of these battles you know we're top one top two top three for a lot of these guys and that we've named over and over again and I mean we're we're not going to get them all but we're going to we're going to I think Oregon's going to get their share
0: yeah I mean that's the thing too it's never as good or as bad as it looks on the on the trail I think it's a situation where Oregon's it, it like the optics are that Oregon has been losing some battles here and they have lost some battles. I mean, Dakota fields, Brian Pelham are two good examples of that. We'll see what happens with Jeremiah McClellan. Um, he was another visitor from this last weekend. sounds like it's an Oregon, Ohio state battle heading up to a decision. I'm not sure how soon that decision is going to be made. Um, and it sounds like distance is a pretty big factor. there, moving against Oregon. Um, but like when you're competing, especially with, Directly with Georgia, like so many of these are head-to-head battles with Georgia. Whether it's Baker, whether it's Breland, whether it's Frazier, um, Justin Williams, you're not going to go four and zero on those battles against a school like Georgia. I think like the optimistic, like take would be to go two and two and split them, right? Which means you're adding two five-star quality prospects, Um, and and that's that's a win. That's what that's where Oregon needed to improve off last year. I don't think Oregon's win rate on those recruitments in the 2023 class was near where it needed to be um, to take that next step as a program. And I think last year's class is really strong. I think it added a lot of a lot of key pieces that are going to be important for us moving into the future. But like winning a battle for an Elijah running, rushing, winning a battle for an Aiden Breland or a, or a, a Brandon Baker, like those are the ones that really push us forward um, and and kind of give you that that frontline top shelf talent that you can build the rest of the roster around.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you look at last year, Oregon landed, you know, two, five stars, I guess one, I, you know, if Mateo kind of fell out of it toward the end. So I guess technically didn't end up a five star, but you know, one or two five stars in last year's class. And I mean, I, I certainly think the odds are pretty good. Oregon is going to go over that mark this year. Uh, There's just, there's so many that they're in on and, you know, potentially lead for that you're not going to get them all but i think you can get two maybe three without you know without having to really bend the hopium or drink too much hopium to get
0: to three right yeah i think you're probably right and i think that there's going to be opportunities as the season goes on recruitments will open up um I'm not making the proclamation that'll be year of the flip, but you see a guy or two here a year that Oregon gets in on maybe uh, during the season, kind of heading towards December. um, Guys that we're not talking about now that maybe Oregon actually has a better shot at, that they've been kind of nurturing the relationship with. Think of uh, Peyton Bowen last year as someone that um, no one really talked about Oregon for until things got closer to the end. Um, and so but we'll see kind of how how these recruitments mature and what ends up manifesting in the class but I think that uh, again if you can add an Elijah rushing next week if you can add a Recroy, uh, we'll see what the date ends up being for Taomua. Um, you, you start to really add these staple pieces to the class and you're gonna get you're gonna get north of 20 commitments really soon which means that really all you're doing at that point is shooting for the stars and going for super high level top 100 prospects uh to finish things off so um if oregon can add a mathudi if oregon can add a plat a, Platt, a um, mccroy a uh rushing um you you again you the numbers start to get to a point where you're really only focused on about 10 prospects that you're hoping to get 50 percent of
1: yeah no that's exactly right and, you know speaking of the linebackers you know i think it feels like oregon's kind of you know been in the lead you know or had a lot of momentum for you know all four of these primary targets on their linebacker board and, and it feels like at various point in time like you know one or more of them you know could have quacked or should have quacked or was on the verge of it and, and yet there's still zero on the board on that on that one so i mean with methodi coming up you know you'd like to think maybe that's the guy who starts um who starts it there right and, and where does you know we have a listener question about linebacker recruiting later. So I'm going to hold off on on this and, until we go further down that road. But I mean, I'd love to see, I think you see one of those guys jump in the boat and then maybe, maybe that starts something there as well. So.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Like the Dylan Williams stuff. I think, I mean, Wilt Fong put in a prediction for Oregon last week. I think Dylan Williams is the type of prospect that you would take regardless. Um, but if, if you can somehow, pull off the Justin Williams heist and hold on to him with Georgia surging Um, is there room for a fourth backer in the class if it was Platt if it's Williams like those are the things that are really interesting to monitor as this class kind of comes to a conclusion
1: yeah and obviously we will keep talking about that uh, as we go forward so I think by the next time we chat we might have uh, some commitments to talk about and and if not we'll, we'll be pretty close to some by then so it's only a kick A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You want to switch gears a little bit and start our player draft? Yes. I actually am really excited because I put together my board here a little bit ago. Oh man, I I put it together a little bit of board as well. So we'll kind of introduce this to the listeners and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So this will take several episodes over the course of the summer for us to finalize. Uh, But the idea here is we're going to go through position by position and and QB and I are going to take turns serpentine, serpentine style on drafting, um, you know, players at every position across the PAC 12 landscape only. So quarterback running back wide receivers, tight ends, et cetera. And essentially we're going to draft our team out of, um, out of those players. And then we kind of talked about it and like, how are we going to decide at the end of the season, you know, who won? I, I think we're going to, we're not going to do it like, um, like fantasy football style. We're not going to do it off pure stats. I think it's going to be more of a, Hey, let's, let's look at this and say, okay. Based on a blend of, of various factors, you know, some you know stats, some, some success, like quarterbacks team success matters, right? Like, uh, you know, we'll just kind of, decide and if we need a judge we'll bring in hop to judge between us but i think we'll just kind of decide like okay you won the quarterback spot you won the running back spot etc um yeah i mean we're
0: basically ripping off the cover three podcast at this let's be honest hey come on now
1: no it's fine we just give <laughs> that's fine but good. we'll do it in the pack it's a good man. idea
0: but we're going to keep it to the conference and so we're going to do it a little bit differently and um, yeah. i'm looking forward to this hey doug heads or tails
1: <laughs>
0: tails siri heads or tails it was heads. I didn't hear. Her. I think Waltz, you're lying because she's on. She's on silent. You will have to take my word for it.
1: <laughs> okay. So does that mean you're drafting first at quarterback? Sure. All right. So today we're going to do quarterbacks and running backs. In our next episode, we'll get into the wide receivers and tight ends, and then we'll just work our way down the roster. I kind All of right, think so... we should
0: do three quarterbacks and four backs. Okay. We could do that. I like All right. it. Sounds good. I'll All take right, Caleb add a round to my spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pick the best player in the country. um, Yeah. The The, the quarterback
1: pick was uh, the first quarterback pick was the easiest one. And I also think the second and third are also very easy. So I will take Bo Nix number two and Michael Penix number three.
0: Wait, why would you get to go? Serpentine, man. It's always serpentine. Oh, gosh. I hate you. Okay.
1: Well, you get to do that when we get to running back now.
0: Wait, so I get two picks now? Now you get two picks. All right, I'll take Cam Rising and Dante Moore.
1: Yeah. I see Moore was my pick. I was going to pick Moore at 4 if you uh if you didn't take him. So, okay, who's on left on my board? Ew. Here's here's my dilemma, QB. I'm either going with DJ
0: or Shador. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy pick in my opinion. You think so? Yeah, I mean I would take Shador Sanders. I would I I don't even have DJ on my board. I got Jaden Delora as my seventh quarterback.
1: I think I'm gonna take Shador just because I think they're gonna I think they're gonna pass a lot. So
0: Yeah, I'm just hoping Cam Rising can be like bolted back together had, in for the season.
1: I wanted nothing to do with having to decide whether to pick rising or not.
0: <laughs> I mean like literally like my second two picks, like that second and third pick of rising and more Like, what if Moore doesn't win the job, and what if Rising isn't healthy? Like, Yeah, they need Caleb to carry the whole room. Which, honestly, that's fine. Which he could. (laughs) I should have just taken Caleb Wound's back up. I should have taken Malachi.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I like Nick's. I know this is going to call me a homer. I like Nick's a little more than Penix for two reasons. One, he gives you something with his legs uh, as well as his arm. And two, I think, you know, potential health. So, we'll see. Yeah, um, But I took them two and three, so whatever. And uh, Sugar Sanders is kind of an upside pick there at, at number six. I like Dolores as well. I, it was funny as I was doing some research for this, I, I ran across some articles that had like Cam Ward rated in like the top four or five. And I had to double check to make sure they weren't like a year old articles that were like, published in the summer of 2022 and instead of summer 2023 but nope they were they're new this summer and I I just don't know what what team
0: what player those people watched last year to come to that conclusion yeah he wasn't on my board like no yeah Kim I I don't think he's gonna have a lot of people or a lot of talent around him I I think that Washington State's gonna kind of struggle offensively we'll see maybe maybe the coordinator change helps but so does that mean that for the running backs that you have the first pick and then I've got Yes, the and then pick? you get a double up after. after oh, nice. Running yeah, back so are a dime a dozen, so this is kind of.
1: Yeah, this one's interesting to me because I think there's, it it's where you look at like who do you actually like or who is going to like actually compile stats. And it's like a combination of the two, right? Like I look at Oregon and like I think Bucky's the best running back in the conference, but I also know he's going to platoon, so. Is he a number one pick because of that? And ultimately, I'm I'm going to go with uh, Carson Steele for UCLA. So I think oh my Chip, gosh, Chip will
0: ride him. So, a little game theory. I wasn't even going to take Carson Steele with my second or third because I figured you didn't even know about him, and you were just going <laughs> to degrade him as a white running back. And I was going to be able to pick him up in my next with like my fourth pick. Um, Okay, well, this makes things really simple for me. I'm not going to leave the state of Oregon. I'm going to take Bucky and Damian Martinez as my two backs to start. Uh, I think they're the two best backs in the conference. Yeah, I had Damian
1: as my number two pick as well. So um, good pick there. And I had Bucky as my number three. So you took those two off the board. Uh, I'm going to go back to L.A. and go with Marshawn Lloyd, the South Carolina transfer who will be uh, playing his ball for the Trojans this year. And who else? Oh, sorry. This is where it gets a little harder. Um, my board doesn't go as far down. I'm going to go with Jaquinda Jackson for Utah.
0: Okay. So I will uh, finish off my group then with uh, Alden McCaskill from Colorado and Jaden Ott from Cal.
1: Yeah, the Cal one is interesting because, I mean, I think Ott's really good, but they also brought in like two or three transfers yeah, and I oh, think cool. Byron
0: Cardwell might actually be better than Ott. Um, I also was – well, I don't want to give you ideas. I'll let you finish. Them all.
1: <laughs> okay, my last pick, uh, I'm going to go up to Seattle and take Dylan Johnson.
0: Excellent. Michael Wiley was the eighth back on my board. Yeah, I had him, I had him next on my board out of Arizona as well. I just don't know about, that Dylan yeah. Johnson's gonna get enough like focus touches with the way that that offense is put together. Yeah, especially because they brought in some backs with different skill sets, like they brought in Ngata, uh, who's gonna be more of like a third down player, I think. Um, and so, like, what does the workload look like for Dylan Johnson, considering Cam Davis is still in the room, Richard Newton still in the room? I think he's gonna be the best player for them at running back, but I don't know that that is gonna really result in the kind of production that you'd want. Um, but i do like the Jaquindon Jackson pick by you i think like for me like my board was um it was bucky martinez steel jackson in that order um, gotcha and i again i really thought that there was no chance you were going to take carson steel i think you probably like googled some articles or something i don't know what you did
1: <laughs> see i, I got to keep you guessing kibi i got i got to make you think that occasionally i might i might actually have done some some amount of uh legwork on this
0: so why don't you remind the listeners of who we picked because i already forgot
1: (laughs) okay so we'll start with the quarterbacks so uh qb's quarterback room is caleb williams from usc cam rising out of utah and dante moore out of ucla and my quarterback room is bo nix from oregon michael Penix jr from washington and Shadur sanders out of colorado Moving on to the running back rooms, QB has Bucky Irving from Oregon, Damian Martinez from Oregon State, Alton McCaskill from Colorado, and Jaden Ott out of Cal. And I have in my room Carson Steele from UCLA. Where's my second guy? Oh, Marshawn Lloyd out of USC to uh, Quindon Jackson from Utah and Dylan Johnson from Washington. I Okay. So I have reached my quota of Washington players. I, I think I'm, I don't know the rest of the draft. I might not be able to draft anymore. I don't
0: Can know. we do receivers right now? Or is that, do we need to put that on a different pod? I mean, I, I haven't done any leg. Work, I, don't but even, I also I don't didn't expect
1: think... us to breeze through this so fast. Yeah. So. I don't
0: even think I need to prep for receivers. I think we could just go here. We'll do We'll do it again, but I'm going to put my phone on loud. So you don't think I'm cheating.
1: Okay, let's oh, do it. Wait, heads or tails,
0: Doug. I'll go heads. Siri heads or tails. It's tails. Fuck. Oh, that's tough. Okay, you're up you there. I really hate to see that. I'll take Romo Dunze for the first pick. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was that was a pretty easy pick. Um <sighs> Do I wanna go with my Homer pick or I probably should go down to USC? and take uh is it is it, was it singer that transferred from arizona or the other that's one? an interesting choice yeah singer well hold on i'm not picking him see i didn't well, do my research yet
0: i know that's <laughs> you're, why you're, it's trying fun. To,
1: you're trying to pull one over on me here qb
0: <laughs> i think this mm. is more exciting i think we should do like five receivers
1: I had us with four, but since we extended quarterbacks and running backs, one each, we can do that. Um, okay. I just don't know if I'm ready without having done a little more homework first. I think it's you're more fun to, you're that trying we to like done any bully research. me into. Uh... <laughs> but you don't. You have because you do Pick this stuff receiver, all the time. Dude. I, I do what oh stuff all the time. You're killing me. All right. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I am going to take
0: Dorian Singer,
1: and I'm going to take Troy Franklin.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, hmm. So
1: you could take another U, uh, UW guy
0: this time. I, I could, but I'm actually going to take uh, Ted Aroa McMillan. Yeah. And I'm going to take Travis Hunter.
1: Okay. Good one. Good one. Okay, well then I think you're gonna force my hand into taking another freaking guy from Utah, uh, Jalen uh, McMillan. So, okay, and then for my next pick, Jack Wrestler. No, he won't even be on a team yet. Hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Cowing out of Arizona.
0: Ooh, that's a good pick. And this is where I think I'm going to get a lot of value with my last two picks. So I'm going to take Zachariah branch from USC. Yeah. That's Cause a I great actually, one. That's I think, by, really, the, I think really, by the uh, end of the year, that's probably
1: a low, that probably, he probably should have been picked sooner. I think so. That's a great and pick. I'm
0: not even going to leave USC. I'm going to take Mario Williams as well. Yeah.
1: I mean, why not just go like that's a, Those are two smart picks because you know, at least one of them going to go off and that's your fourth and fifth pick. So, most likely they both
0: do. Uh, really I have a feeling that there. by the end of the year, that Z- Zachariah branch will be like, probably thought of as the best receiver in the conference. Um, I, and I, I was, I was really tempted to go like Tez Johnson or Michael Sertivan at UCLA. Like again, really good players. Yeah. Um, as I'm just sitting here doing, I still your got a pick for you, by the way. Your pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or even maybe an Elijah Badger with Kenny. Yep, that's
1: another guy on my list. <laughs>
0: So I'm gonna be really intrigued to see where you go.
1: I mean, I Hunter think... Hunter from Cal's another one. Just, but it's freaking Cal.
0: Yeah, but who's stuff, throwing in the balls? The well, question. That's that's the big thing, right? Maybe you could go Micah Pittman. Uh, that that would be pretty on brand. Um, no, I'm not going Micah Pittman.
1: Um, I, I mean the the guys are definitely Sturdevant. I'm probably him or Polk, or or Badger would be the three I would go with i'm gonna go with sturdivant i i think chip's gonna throw the ball enough i think he's the guy in that room um so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with sturdivant as my last pick yeah so I, think think it's a good pick. I think
0: even kyle ford deserves like a shout like i think we could have gone like the thing about receivers it's actually a pretty deep receiver class um, yeah in the of this year like Agreed. even if we had to go like another couple of picks deep like there's still some serious quality that can be grabbed
1: yeah, just despite the ones we, we, you know, even in addition to the ones we mentioned, like you said, you got Taj Washington and Brendan Rice at USC also. Uh, you got Badger. You've got uh, Vale out of Utah. Kyle Williams uh, you, out of Washington State.
0: You got Polk at uh, Washington yeah. still. You've got um, Stovall from Arizona State as also. Yeah you, yeah, you got Holden and. Um, yeah, nobody even Tom, mentioned. I mean,
1: Holden's not even on the list. Yeah. Gary
0: Bryant. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot of guys, so. well one lot of this? guys, Giles so Jackson. Yeah,
1: okay, so uh, wide receiver. Quarter uh, QB has Rome, Adunze from Washington, Terrell McMillan from Arizona, Travis Hunter from Colorado, Zachariah, Zachariah is it Zachariah? I think it's, yeah, Zachariah. Zachariah Branch out of USC and Mario Williams out of USC. And Doug has Dorian Singer from Arizona. Um. No, sorry, from USC. Um, uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon. uh, Jalen McMillan from Washington. Cowing from Arizona. And J. Michael Sturdivant from USC.
0: I'm actually going to tweet this out um, because I'm curious what people. I I think we both drafted disgusting receiver grooms. You know what? Let so, me tweet
1: it out on the podcast. Uh, yeah, you thing, do that. And then you, you can retweet it.
0: You, why don't yeah. you tweet out all three. Sorry, we're going to we're gonna go and do this live on the pod. Why don't you yeah. tweet out all three position groups that we drafted? Let's do and it. And I want to see who people thought won preseason. And then we'll do it. Maybe, Doug, maybe that's how we determine postseason. Oh, now you're going to get all your burners and all your fanboys and everything to vote for you postseason. Doug, people, I saw (laughs) the questions today. People apparently don't value me very much anymore. It's all about you. You're the star of the show. Uh, I'm I'm the star of the QB11 show. Yeah, we're
1: going to change it to the Doug Scott podcast. Nobody wants that, especially Doug Scott Uh, but yeah, so I'll get that tweeted out right after we're done here. So people can uh, tell us what they think. I'll do a little poll. Perfect. I'll do a little let's, poll. Uh, let's jump
0: into some listener questions then.
1: All right, let's do it. So I got a few people that followed directions and I got a few people that didn't. So that's okay. We love all our listeners equally. Well, some more than others. Let's go with the ones who follow directions first since they actually follow directions. Uh, okay. Let me get all these questions queued up. No, you're not with somebody. Okay, Lloyd Berg. This is a BYU grad. It's in his uh in his little Twitter handle. So Lloyd BYU grad wants to know. Besides Jordan Birch, how else do you see the pass rush improving for Oregon this year?
0: Uh, it has to be for, well. I think it's a combination of things. I think that like getting guys healthy on the interior of the defensive line, whether it's Popo, whether it's Brandon Dorless will help. But then I think it really has to come from freshmen on the edge. So outside of Birch, I don't think you're going to get like a massive jump from someone like Mace Funa. You're really going to be dependent on guys like Mateo, Blake Purchase, maybe Ashton Porter. Um, you're going to need one of those guys to give you something off the edge opposite of Jordan Birch. If it's going to be like an edge generated rush.
1: Yeah. And I totally agree. And er, uh, uh, Lloyd Berg, first of all, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate it. And uh, up there and, in- BYU country. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about this on some of the previous episodes, you know, back at uh, BYU the,
0: is a college, not a country. just so, you know, I just want to make sure we're on the same page.
1: <laughs> I guess BYU is nationwide. So BYU nation. How about that? I don't know. I was just trying to whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We talked about this on some previous episodes back in the, back in this January. And then even after spring ball and during spring, we talked a little bit about that. And I think you, you kind of nailed it there. So um definitely move definitely agree with that we'll move on to friend of the show eric born and raised in oregon so uh he's not from byu country or nation or whatever uh with nil really taking over college sports do you see donors sending their money to collectives and not the schools to make upgrades on campus make up grades on campus what does that mean or being able to add to the funds for coaching staff, buyout funds. When I guess basically what he's trying to say is, do you see donors taking more of their money out of funding um, athletic departments and more into funding NIL? It's a good question.
0: Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I think that like, I don't know. I think that the players are are more important at this point. Um, and I think that they're, especially with a lot of these new media deals, maybe it's dependent on what conference you're in, but the, with the media deals and the fact that they don't have to share any of that with the players, there's less of a demand yet. or maybe they less don't have of a to, burden yet. on boosters. Right?
1: No, you're right. Sorry. I was interrupting. Yeah, that
0: was rude. Um, yeah. You've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is I, a I fun just, episode. I like this. This is good. This is good. Yeah. I just, I just think that like ultimately players are going to determine success more than, coaches in some sense like I mean I think coach your coaching staff really matters and frankly like good players no matter how much money you have aren't going to want to play for bum coaches Um, but just the ability to identify um, and acquire talent is going to be what draws coaches to your program anyway and so I think that like NIL budget is going to be really important for coaches as well like you don't want to just go make a massive salary at a school full well knowing that there's no resources left um, for you to actually acquire the talent that's going to like give you the longevity and the success that you would need to experience to either stay at that school or elevate to a bigger program later on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the short answer is the money has to come from somewhere, right? So if, the, if these boosters and big donors are giving money to NIL there, it has to come from somewhere. And, and even if they're overall spending, is going to increase it's probably not going to increase by 100 by the full amount of whatever goes into the nil bucket some some amount of that money going into the nil bucket will will very obviously come from what used to go into the facilities or coach buyouts or athletic department buckets so it's just a matter of where in at every school that's going to be different right every school has its own unique kind of situation as far as their donors and their boosters and and how they're doing all that so but yeah the short answer is yes all right, next question uh, from Oregon Spaces host Rob Warnock. Explain why both Dewan Riggs and Nate Frazier would be taken by Oregon, mostly for those not paying attention. Seems to be confusion around that. Also, about our new tight end offer, what are the casuals
0: not seeing? Um, who did we offer it? <laughs> apparently you're uh, a casual qb i'm I the host of this podcast and i am a filthy casual i must have missed that um so i know I,
1: I yeah did, wait who did we i'll have? look that up while you answer the first part of the question sounds
0: good okay um so from a numbers perspective i don't think they have to take two backs in this class i think that like it would have to be the right two. so like for instance if um oregon uh, gets a commitment from Riggs, i think they would absolutely take a case, uh, commitment from frazier but if frazier were to let's just say go to georgia i don't think that oregon's going to be like like frantically searching to take a fifth back in this class so i think it's a matter of like who the two are and like what the order of operations is in regards to like the commitments um so in, in like with running backs like i really like rigs i really like frazier i think they're actually complimentary um, Riggs has a lot of bucky in him. He's a little bit bigger, he's uh like taller and all he's just bigger all around. Um, whereas Frazier's more of a speedy explosive back that I don't know that we have on campus right now. I mean, Jordan James is pretty explosive. Noah Whittington's explosive, but again, I don't know that Noah Whittington will be back after this year, just based on the uh how many years he's been in college, the fact that he'll have his degree. Like, is it it a situation where he really wants to put more miles on? And we'll see what the rotation looks like this year. I think that Jordan James is going to factor in very heavily to the rotation, too, so that could play a piece. Um, Yeah, at the running back position, I think that you typically want to carry five. I think you can get away with carrying four backs. And with that in mind, if if Whittington and and Irving were both to go pro after this season, you'd be at three. And so minimum, you need to take one. Ideally, you take two. But with numbers being finite and the fact that you're still limited by an 85 scholarship count, if the second back in the class is not good enough to justify taking a spot from another position, you just roll with the one quality back and go get yourself like some some edge help.
1: Yeah, no, I think we we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, and I, I think you're spot on. And uh, you know, there's a we've talked about this, but there's some guys on the staff who whose evaluations and whose recruiting uh, I've already come to trust. And I think Carlos Locken is one of those guys. And if he, if he really wants to Riggs in this class, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to doubt that. And and I think there's definitely going to be space for two backs. So you're going to go up, you know, I think Oregon's clearly decided their top two priorities that are at least in their, in their gettable range are, are rigs and, and and Frazier obviously at the top so they're gonna if they can get Riggs here in a couple days or early next month when he commits then great lock him up and and keep going hard at Frazier and, and try to get him too
0: yeah and again like I don't think that there was any such thing as like a circumstance where Oregon wouldn't have taken Christian Clark along with Nate Frazier too right so I think it's just as long as the quality is above the like line like the line of demarcation then I think we would have been in good shape to take two backs. And if the second that they feel like that, the, pro- the prospects don't justify that spot, they'll just use it at a different position.
1: Yeah, and moving on to the tight end question. So I did a little digging while you were, uh, while you were away, and I don't blame you for not knowing this because I didn't either. Um, so there's a tight end out of Manville, te- uh, Texas. His name is Cade Catan. Uh, yeah, I'm watching his huddle right now. He was at some camps, apparently in Texas, TCU, SMU camps. He was also at a Texas A&M camp, and apparently Coach Stein and Coach Merringer both saw him, I think, in person. And based on that, they have um, extended an offer. As to why, I, I, I mean, I'll let you speak to his, you know, to whether you agree with the coach's assessments that he's worth an offer or not. I'm just going from a roster management standpoint. It's a position we've been talking about all along, I and mean, Oregon's thin at tight end. Uh, and you know, and obviously you look beyond this year. You know, tr- decent chance that that Ferguson's gone off to the NFL, right? And then you've got you brought in some kind of placeholder. I don't want that's that's, that's a little disrespectful. Sorry, you brought in some transfer portal tight ends. You know, here over really since spring ball, so very recently that really can fill some gaps in the short term, but probably aren't players you would take if you're trying to build your roster and you have a, a, a unlimited supply of players. Right. So, I mean, Oregon just needs players at that position and yeah, they have two commits. Um, but if, if you see the need to bring in a third and have, you know, along with, with, um, with Sadiq, then, you know, you've got four, four guys kind of building that room toward the future because Herbert, you know, is also a guy that, that, you know, will be moving on pretty quickly as well. So. It, it kind of makes sense from a roster management perspective, QB, but you tell me if it makes sense from a talent perspective.
0: I mean, we'll we'll have to see. I want to see some senior film because obviously there's something that they're seeing in the camps that they didn't even see on his junior film. Um, but, like, he's got a good frame. And I think ultimately like, that's what you're looking for. And I think after taking Sadiq last year, um, the um, – oh, man, this is embarrassing. I can't remember the name of the kid who's committed to us from Texas uh, already at end.
1: Oh, it's um, we got Pugliano at one and um...
0: yeah, yeah Pugliano who's a little bit shorter, more of a move tight end, um, and then you've got the kid from Texas who his name is escaping me currently. I think this guy is kind of somewhere in between, but from a frame perspective, like you, he's got a lot of the raw tools you're looking for. It's just a question of how does he does he move like a high level Division one tight end, and um, I'm not going to be able to glean that in two minutes of huddle. Um, yeah while we're recording
1: a podcast yeah
0: jackson ford
1: is the the tight end out of melissa yeah and he's just like he's just
0: a big puppy dog like he hasn't even grown into his body yet like jackson ford is going to be massive um and so like with him i think you're really like you you went out and you identified a frame and you're going to build up that inline y tight end um and it seems that this kid would kind of be in a similar mold uh but i would have to do more digging on him
1: all right, next question. Um Desert Duck 99 asks, he's down in your neck of the woods. How many inside linebackers do you see us taking in this class? Uh, prep prep inside linebackers do you see us taking
0: in this class? Like, I, I think, think that, three minimum. Yeah. Three I could see least. them taking four though if it's the right four.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you get Mathudi and Platt and Dillon Williams, you're not going to turn down Justin Williams or if you get Mathudi and Justin Williams and Dylan Williams, are you going to turn down Platt in September? Or, I mean, whatever combination or order you want to put them in. I just think that I all think four, they're all four takes. Are, they're yeah, all I think four they're takes. all
0: four good enough players to be takes. And so I don't really, I don't think that like numbers become an issue. I think that it's where, like, again, if you have three commitments and let's just say Justin Williams goes to Georgia and you have Platt, Mathudi, and, D- and Dylan Williams in your class are you really going to go out and look for a fourth bat linebacker and you're, are you going to compromise the standards that you had set forth with those four for the fourth guy? No, you're not like, you're just going to roll with the three. Um, right. So I think it really is just hundred percent dependent on the quality available, but I think that they would take up to four if it was the right four. I, I mean, it doesn't
1: feel like at least at this point in time, if there's anyone else on at least seriously on the board outside of those four. I mean, obviously if for something were really to go amiss and, and they were to miss on, two of those guys or or more they're going to have to go further down the board cuz it's a position they do need to to fill this year but i it doesn't seem like it's trending that way
0: yeah i'm sure they have other plans
1: plan. on their board that we don't we just haven't heard about cuz they haven't been needing to
0: but. yeah i'm sure there's other players and there's always guys that pop up late there was a linebacker last year I believe his last name was Carter who ended up going to Tennessee who was committed to Memphis at the point when we offered him Um, and he just blew up, was like a mid-four star by the end and a really, really impressive player. And so, like, maybe, again, maybe there's some athletes that pop onto the board that aren't there now that are good enough to justify taking as a fourth back or even if, like, a Justin Williams was to not be in the class. Uh, But I really don't see them compromising that standard to take four just for the sake of taking four. Exactly. All
1: right, I think we have a few more questions All right. Uh, next question. I think we ca- you kind of covered this already, but I'll I'll ask it, and then if you um, if you if you feel like you've already covered it, uh, you could just move on. So the f- it's kind of a two part question. The first one was com- this is from um, Oregon Recruiting. Compare and contrast our running back targets, Nathaniel Frazier and Dewan Riggs, and then the second question was basically the same the same for uh, the quarterback commits, uh, Michael Van Buren and Luke Moga.
0: Um, okay. Uh, with the backs, I think that they're both like the, like the calling card of a Lachlan back is like, they're all going to run hard. They're going to run angry. They're going to be a pain in the ass to get on the ground. Um, and I think that's true for both. Um, Riggs, it doesn't have the top end juice that Frazier does. Uh, he's but he's a little bit thicker built at the same stage. Like I think he's just like a bigger kid at this current point. Um, and he's got like, he runs behind his pads with really good contact balance. I'm not saying that Frazier doesn't, um, but I think that that is like Riggs's superpower is his is contact balance um, and his short area agility, not his long speed. Whereas like Frazier is one of those kids where he's got so much juice that you give him a like a crease and it's just over. He's gone. He's going to eat up whatever angle exists and he's going to outrun whoever's on the defensive side of the ball to the end zone. Um, but he does have like, and I, I don't want to say that to say that he's like void or there's there's like no sign of good contact balance or physicality in this game because he is a strong runner. Uh, but like, if you were to contrast those two, I would say that the, the the biggest difference is that like Frazier has like a genuinely elite, like long speed. Whereas Riggs is probably more of like a 20 yard back. Meaning he's, he's best inside of 20 yards. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. And the quarterbacks yeah i mean uh, i think van Buren's far more polished mechanically as a passer i think he's got a, like a more of a pure stroke i think he's probably had better and uh more exposure to, to good quarterback coaching over the years um but he's a little bit smaller uh, whereas mogas again like you talk about a guy with who's a 105 hundred meter who's got legitimate explosiveness. He's got a larger frame Um, and he doesn't have like a hideous motion or anything, but he's just not as mechanically refined as, as Van Buren is. And so um, I think that there's more room for, to, for growth for Moga from a, from a like uh, efficiency standpoint as a passer, whereas Van Buren's going to be really, really synced up and, and like, he's going to be kind of what he is as a passer when he arrives. uh, But he doesn't have the athletic upside that, that Moga does.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. All right. We'll move on. Um, got a few more here. I think there's some good ones. Uh, this is a good one. Any worries that Brandon Baker never took an official visit to Oregon?
0: Not particularly.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's certainly better. It'd be better if he did. Um, but also he's been to Oregon. I don't know. (laughs) How many times in, in in his last five or six years or, or longer when his brother played here and then certainly even this this year i think he's been out here i don't know three four times at least so i i don't i don't have a lot of worries about it either and he even said i think in one of his post visit interviews that you know he's kind of comparing everybody he visits to oregon so i think that that means you're, you're kind of in that pole position and you know, everywhere he goes, he's saying, Okay, does this how does this stack up? I mean, that's a good place to be. Yeah, <clears> I agree. Okay. Um is a top five this one from Wink, is a top five class still a possibility with the few three stars that we've taken and the few more three stars that still seem to be takes?
0: I mean it really I, I depends. Mean, yeah. I mean, how many guys are you going to take? Because I, I believe the way that the composite works is it only factors in your top 21 commitments. So if Oregon takes 30 guys and they have eight four stars or eight three stars in the class, which is I'm just using eight as a placeholder number, then none of those three stars actually factor towards their top score. Um, and so it really just depends on what the top end of the class looks like. And I think, like, I don't I don't look at the bottom of the class to determine success. I, I really genuinely, especially in this class, for Oregon, because I think that they're recruiting at a level where they're even when they're taking three star guys, they're taking like kind of their pick on those three star guys. Of like what, like they've they probably had some higher air quotes rated options in, in a lot of cases. Um, for instance, at running back, there's plenty of guys that were four stars that Oregon could assign that could get a commitment from over Dewan Riggs, but they're really prioritizing one Riggs. So, like, that what's the opportunity cost there? Um, but I think that if whether or not they're top five six seven i don't know that it really matters it really just depends on how they do with those top end prospects
1: yeah i mean i i never thought top five was like more likely than not right it's it's a pot it's certainly been in the cards and it's still in the cards you know if you look oregon's in the running for at least five five stars and and ten top 100 players so is getting to if you if you hit three or four of those five stars and, you know, six or seven of those top 100 guys, you're probably going to be right there at number five, uh, you know, right in that range. So it's certainly still possible. I I never thought it was more likely than not. And I think we're still probably in that six, seven, eight range is is the most likely outcome. Um, But again, if you're six instead of five, and it's because like, I don't know, some, you know, you're, two points behind the fifth place. Like who cares? Like you're I in mean, the it range. really also
0: depends on like, yeah. who, who are you competing with? Like Georgia's going to be up there. Bama's going to be up there. Ohio state's going to be up there. It's looking like Clemson's going to be up there. LSU will be up there. Like yep. when you're in that company, if you're close, I don't, I don't really care what order you finish in. It's like, more about groupings ordering,
1: or buckets or tiers. I don't yeah, look at exactly. It as, tiers. as long yeah.
0: as you're in that top grouping, um, and again, like you're not going to be, you're not going to have Georgia's class or Alabama's class, but whatever that next grouping is, like Oregon needs to be in the thick of that grouping, like not, not separated by a big margin. So especially with the yeah. size of class, Oregon's and just taking.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at the 2023 rankings, you know, the uh, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, I would, would say were in the first tier and you could even maybe separate, separate that, you know, almost into three separate tiers, but let's just say those three you know, they all had four, five, and nine five-stars, right? So, uh, and then there's a pretty decent drop to number four. So, you had Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU. Like, they all, their score was essentially the same. I mean, 289.0, 288.99, and 288.43, that's all the same. It's a three-way tie for fourth. Like, uh, so, you know, whatever, whatever right? You are that's that second tier. And then you kind of have the third tier, which is Miami, USC, and Oregon, so and Tennessee. So, you know, it's like, can you move from the third tier to the second tier? I think that's the goal this year. 100% agree with you. All right, we just just a couple more here before we call it a night. Um, what are your thoughts on Stanford recruiting this year? Without the transfer portal access, et cetera, does this recent recruiting even matter? I think it matters. Um.
0: Uh, It absolutely matters. Like if if they can build a homegrown roster through prep recruiting, they don't need the portal as much. And I also think that it kind of like spits in the face of this narrative that's being like out (laughs) from up north that like, oh, well, we just need to win 10 games another couple of times in a row. And then recruits will start taking it seriously. Like really Stanford's going to be was horrible last year. They're going to be even worse this year and they're recruiting just fine like Arizona state was garbage. They're recruiting just fine. So again, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I mean, I we can rattle
1: that... off a ton of examples of teams that, uh, Florida, were to hire a new coach, bring a coach in and start recruiting immediately without having Oregon. to win a bunch of games <laughs> first. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the biggest lie, um, for people who want to create excuses. Indeed. Uh, two more. I'm going to end with that one. So let's first go to this one.
0: I already know which one you're going to end with. You're not funny. No, you don't. I don't think you do. All, right.
1: All right. Uh, actually, I got to forget four more. Uh, excluding Baker, Rushing, and Breland, what are some name? He said five. I don't think we need to go five. What are some names or positions that need to be filled by high-ranking players in this class for Oregon to be on track to win a
0: national championship? It's a rather complex question uh baker breeland and rushing so edge tackle and defense, tackle <laughs> yeah like the three others. most important positions Well, other than outside of the three
1: most important positions i guess quarterback
0: well positions. i mean like again i think you just look at the premium positions and i don't think yeah. that it's like this class is versus next class or the class before i think you need to hit on all of these positions every single year you need to hit a corner you need to hit an edge you need to hit a defensive tackle you need to hit an offensive tackle you need that quarterback and you need a receiver and, like, you can't take a year off any of those spots because you need to build quality depth. Um, and I think that's true for every class. And so with Oregon right now, like, they've taken quality prospects at a lot of these spots. Um, but, like, securing an Elijah rushing kind of solidifies the edge group with Jackson Jones. And then you – I still think they would like to take a third. Um, and Solomon Williams would be my pick for that. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think that receiver is a spot where Oregon – really could take one more high-end prospect. Um, we'll see what happens at corner opposite of Ifio who's a top end player. Um yeah. on the interior of the defensive line. I think Oregon's done a really good job already in this class. And so if they end up deciding to to pursue a guy like Jericho Johnson, maybe, um, I don't know what other interior defensive linemen are on the on the coach's board, but with Zidavian Sims and uh tione gray i don't know that that's going to be a priority if they can secure an aiden breland um yeah just kind of going through like you have two quarterback commitments you currently have three receivers i think they'd really like to take four um so if you can get a jeremiah mcclellan that would be a huge pickup maybe there's another player um that comes onto the board a little later it'll be interesting to monitor
1: Uh, yeah i mean to me it's you know, I talked about it before. It's that inside linebacker position. It's an ab. We absolutely have to hit on at least two of those four, and ideally, you know, ideally all four. But you know, three. I. I mean, I think two would be a little bit disappointing to me. I, I think you. I you know, gotta get at least three. Maybe, but maybe that's a little bit. I don't know. I think that's the other position I'd add is I think this is a big, a big year for offensive line. I thought last year we struggled a little bit recruiting that position, um, and I think it's really important that we add not a lot of quality and a lot of, a lot of depth this year. And, the, and I think I like what, what elite Terry's doing there. It, it seems like it's a good blend of kind of some more projectable players that are going to take a couple of years and, and maybe, you know, obviously if they land some of these, some of these guys are still in on, you know, some more players that might be ready in a year or two. And, and I think that's sort of really important to kind of rebuild the, the foundation of the line going into like the 25 and 26 seasons, right? Like thinking out, you know, multiple years ahead. So I think it's a really important class for offensive line as well. Okay. Uh, a couple more. What is our ceiling on defense this
0: year? That's the, really know,
1: our question, isn't it?
0: Um, ceiling?
1: I think that ceilings a top
0: twenty unit, but like that's with everything going right, health being good, and you have young edge rushers emerging opposite of Jordan Birch, who has a career year. You know what I mean? Like that—that's everything going right.
1: Yeah. All right. Did you guess my last question right?
0: Is it Zach's?
1: No. Did I did I miss Zach's? Where's Zach's? No, I'm not asking that dumb question okay sorry zach um last question what is your favorite recruit or recruits of this cycle that that oregon has landed or was projected to land let's start with like actually who's already committed we can do it yeah
0: i like this a lot i like this Um, question a
1: lot that's why i ended with it yeah you want to go first qb
0: all right well i'm gonna go probably a little different direction than you are anyway so that's good so uh, I'm going to go Aaron Flowers um, at safety. I think he's like excellent, 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 and exactly what Oregon needs in terms of like, again, continuing to transition from this place where all they had was box safeties by adding like fluid, like explosive movers in the, and the, like with good instincts who can actually play safety, right? Like not just taking athletes, but taking guys who have the requisite instincts to be productive players at safety. And I think Aaron Flowers is like a really impressive player.
1: All right. Um, as much as I love if he, um, and what he, I think is going to do on this team in the coming years. I, I'm going to have to go with Jordan Anderson. I just kind of love the way he's been so outspoken, um, you know, all along he's, he's, he's kind of got that like trash talk mentality. You kind of want your wide receivers and your corners and those guys to have, but also he's just been such a great, like pro Oregon dude online on social media he's always tweeting at people to c- other recruits other you know other commits to join the class you know he's always talking up the ducks and I always just like it when I see like a player just so publicly peer recruiting uh, like Jordan Anderson is so and I think he's a heck of a player too so uh, he's gonna be mine so far
0: how I about for guys not yet
1: committed that you know or maybe probably Oregon leads for or or is in the you know top
0: two for or whatever um i guess like if we were to go off guys that like are set to announce here i think elijah rushing is the easy answer but yeah. i'm not going to take the easy answer um i'm going to go uh i'm going to go with kamara bathuti um, uh he stole mine really like just just a big explosive kid like you're not giving up any size he's got an excellent frame he's going to continue to get bigger he's going to be built exactly how you want him to be built um and athletically he's really really impressive so uh, I think he gives you like an incredible raw skill set to develop if you're down landing in the staff.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great pick. And I, that's one I liked a lot too. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Brandon Baker. Uh, I think obviously it's a position of, of tremendous need. He's a high level recruit at that position, right? It's a guy who can, you know, slide in either across from Josh Connerly, you know, and if he's a first year player or, or maybe takes his spot, you know, after he moves on. To the NFL, you know, if he's a second-year player, or maybe maybe both, right? So, I think, but that I think also the legacy aspect of it, his brother having played, you know, Gary Baker having played here for Oregon, you know, under the chip and Helvrichera, and I think kind of uh kind of that aspect of it makes the recruitment really important. Not, I mean, not not only because he's a phenomenal player, right, and a really highly rated recruit at a at a really important position, but also you know, the perception aspect of it, the optics of not getting him right. Like it, it wouldn't, it would be, uh, you know, being a bit of a PR hit a little bit, you know, if you, Man, if you were our to go somewhere else, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some Oregon fans would, uh, would melt down over it for sure. But I, I, I think, um, I think for the, for those reasons, I like him as, that's, that's kind of the guy I want.
0: I like, all it. right, QB,
1: I think that wraps
0: it up. I think so too.
1: All right. If you, um, if you all listen to this, you will know that we are going to have friend of the show and charter extraordinaire Hithliday on our next episode. So we'll be talking about not the Oregon ducks, but the other 11 teams in this conference with Hithliday. And, and that means I just get a record and QB and Hithliday get a talk for like three hours. And then I have to figure out how many episodes to edit that into. But, Look forward to to that coming up very soon.